For this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, I'm going to be calling this the definitive guide to stop loss orders for zero DTE. Before I go on, just a quick disclaimer I'm not a financial advisor, and everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, frankly, I was a little hesitant to put this episode out because, as some of you know, um, we run a zero DTE only hedge fund, and the information that I'm about to kind of put out in this podcast, honestly, is the result of hundreds of hours of research, uh, firsthand experience, and trial and error. But the thing is, whenever a day like today happens, and today is July 28th, 2021, and it happened to be a Fed Minutes day, I believe. So, um, and honestly, anytime this happens, it's a binary event or the markets freak out. There's going to be stories and people coming out of the woodwork in the Facebook group, Tasty Trade Options, just talking about how there was bad fills or they took a huge loss or stops triggered when they weren't supposed to. And honestly, there's just so much misinformation out there that I decided um, I had to get this out here just to save people from themselves, save people from something they don't even know exists. Um, and honestly, a lot of the information on here uh, you know, should really be widely known and something that you should be aware of before you trade these things. And, and you know, honestly, it's not going to affect, you know, you guys knowing this is not going to affect how we run our strategy. So anyway, that's why I decided to do this. So first of all, you know, if you're trading zero TTE, you need to have a stop. You need to run risk management. And I'm talking specifically about the low delta out of the money variety, you know, the, the strangles or the iron condors. If you're trading an iron fly, it's probably okay because the, you know, there's a lot of gamma, but you collect so much premium and then, you know, the opposite sides, when the market moves, it kind of decays and offsets. So it's not quite as fast, but when you're trading out of the money, low delta, zero DT options, the gamma can really catch up to you, right? The options can go from you know, next to nothing, 10 cents a nickel to $4, $5 in the blink of an eye. So there's just really not a lot of time to react when the market's moving quickly. So you have to have stops on. Now, the issue everyone has is with the execution. And there's just so much going on under the hood that most people don't even realize. And this goes back to the very first episode of this podcast, right? The first episode, what is a trade buster? And this has to do with when you get these crazy fills, there are mechanisms you can do to sort of remedy the solution. So go back and listen to the episode. But the message, again, is going to really be that knowledge is power. And in this case, the lack of knowledge is just a huge risk that you're taking without even realizing, right? So just for illustrative purposes, we're going to assume for the trade um, just for a round number, let's assume you collected a dollar credit, right, on the short option. And so going with the kind of 2x stop loss that most people are running, uh, to clarify, this is a 3x credit stop, okay? So if you collected a dollar, you're setting the stop trigger at $3 because if you collected a dollar and you have to pay $3 to get out, your net loss is $2, right? So 2x stop loss, net 2x loss is the same as a 3x credit stop right so i just want to clarify so we're on the same page so first of all with brokers like tastyworks for example it's probably the least suitable for trading zero dte because for one they use native stops i'll get into that in a second and they don't also don't allow complex stop orders so what's a native stop a native stop is a stop order type in this case spx options only trade on the uh, cboe um, the exchange. So it's a stop order that's supported or native to the exchange. 
And in fact, when you send the order, it's going to rest at the exchange until the condition or trigger is met. And then it turns into a uh, market order or limit order, depending on uh, what kind of stop order you're using. And the thing about the native, uh, native orders is they trigger off of either the bid of the option or the last trade. Um, and what you want is to tri trigger is off the bid. Um, because the bid is what somebody is willing to to pay for the option, right? And the old adage about how much something is worth, something is worth as much as a buyer is willing to pay, right? So if you want a true indication that the value of the option is at the $3, for example, you want the bid to be at the $3. The problem is the native orders also tr also trigger off of what's called last trade and literally that's what it means It's the last traded price um, so if somebody fat fingered or somebody else had a bad fill and somebody had a fill or trade that was executed above the trigger price of three dollars that will trigger your stop even if the bid price never hit three so for one you know we used to call this you know whenever we had these erroneous stops back there and and we knew it was on e um tasty works and in fact, even on E-Trade, we're like, you know, hey, you got last traded, right? Basically, somebody's trade triggered your stop. So that's kind of one deficiency with um, uh, Tastyworks. So I'm going to go over a bunch of things that, that can go wrong, first of all, when using stop orders. Then we'll kind of talk about uh, things we can do to remedy that, um, to improve the execution. And finally, what you can do if you, in fact, get one of these really bad fills. So... A simulated stop versus a native stop is one that is held at the brokerage. You know, uh, I think TOS has um, simulated stops. I'm not 100% positive, but I know Interactive Brokers, for example, the simulated stops because they have some fancier and more robust trigger mechanisms, which I'll get into in a second. So a simulated stop is simply one that is at the exchange. And in this case, you know, if, if you have a stop that's triggered off the bid, for example, um, and you don't want the last trade mechanism, you basically don't want to use a native stop. So uh, the broker will hold the order, and when the bid hits the $3 in this case, then they will send the market or the limit order to the exchange. Now, a couple other issues here is with TOS, uh, we have noticed that they had really bad delays in executing stop orders. And I'm talking 4 to 11 seconds, all right? Ordinarily, you know, trading anything else other than zero DTE, four to eleven seconds is not that bad, right? You might even have like a minute or something. I mean, it's just with zero DTE specifically and the gamma and the speed at things move, you want instantaneous execution. A lot of people who trade on toss, they're like, hey, I got bad slippage. It was like twenty cents over, thirty cents over, and a lot of times I'll I'll, I'll ask them what their their fill time was. I'll look up the time and sales data and see that in fact the the trigger condition for their stop was met you know four to eleven seconds before their execution happened and a lot can happen in the four to eleven seconds now sometimes you get lucky in fact the price comes down and you get a bitter fill but you know what if the price the market keeps going against you and the price is blowing up and then you're just gonna take whatever the price is after that long delay so that's really not a good thing and another thing to keep an eye out for uh, and this is something I found out recently is uh, TOS has something where if you don't specify that you want fully electronic trading and you have a, a trade that's over 50 contracts, it actually gets sent to a floor trader first. I, I'm guessing this is a person that looks at it and has to 
I guess, uh, manually approve or send the order. And that's just insane because, you know, one trader I talked to, he, he showed me his, um, uh, what happened with the stop. And I looked at it and I was like, hey, this was like four minutes, like not four to 11 seconds, four minutes. And then he contacted Toss and they told him basically the, the floor trader got bogged down and, and he just couldn't fill the order in time. And that's just like insane, insane, you know? So, you know, there's so many things that, again, one of those things where if you never knew this was the case, like you would just not even know, like to, to research and, and address this. So you need to tell Toss you want fully electronic trade. You do not want any intervention from a floor trader. A couple other things that can happen with um, normal stop orders. And, and these are basically catastrophic. So one of them is if you set an order and the market um, market stop order and the market freaks out like today and the bid ask spread suddenly widen, the, the exchange can just flat out reject the order and it gets canceled. And the reason for this is because when the markets are freaking out and you have market orders, they don't want these kind of panic transactions that further exacerbate the market. So they have the right to flat out reject and cancel your market order. And if you're not there at your computer and aware that your stop was rejected, you're just a sitting duck with an open position, markets doing whatever it is, and you have no protection at all. Another thing that is similar and can be equally catastrophic is called drill through protection. And I think this can happen with market or limit orders. And it essentially is if you get a partial fill, right? The market, your order wasn't rejected and you you got a partial fill. Let's say you have 10 contracts and you got a one or two filled and the market's widening and it's worsening. And it's determined that your next execution is not within a certain threshold. I don't remember exactly what it is. It's in the rule books for, for the SIBO rule book. But I think it's like if the next execution isn't within 20, 20 or 25% of the previous one, drill through protection kicks in. And again, your rest of your order is completely dropped and canceled. And again, the, the thinking is that this is meant to protect the trader because they don't want you to get a bad fill if the market is moving fast. You know, with the cancellation, the drill through protection, these ordinarily are meant and designed to help the trader. But with the zero DT situation and the gamma of these trades, again, these can be catastrophic if this happens and your stop is just gone, right? And the problem is ordinarily the bid as spread on uh, SPX is going to be something like 10 cents, 15 cents, maybe 20 cents. And when something happens like today with the Fed minutes release or just a sudden um, news flash or something, all the market makers basically back off and the bid ask spread can really widen. For example, today I was looking at it and right when the announcement came out for about a minute, minute and a half, the spread was a dollar wide, dollar fifty, right? You'll notice the bid will drop, the ask will jump. Now, the thing with a market order, a plain market order, if you don't get canceled, another kind of catastrophic event is we basically call this a nuke. Um, if you have a market order and you, um, the market widens and you're triggered, you're just going to jump straight to the ask, right? So normally with a $3 trigger, normal bid ask spread, 15 cents, you might get out 15 cents, 20 cents. That's normal slippage, right? Because if the bid is $3, the ask is $3.20. But if it widens like today and all of a sudden the ask is at five dollars you're gonna get filled at five dollars and i've seen the ass jump you know when when COVID was happening vix was you know 80. you know i've routinely seen ten dollar ask twenty dollar ask. i've seen an eighty dollar ask right so i my i myself have 
had a $50 fill, right? So that's what we call a nuke. A $50 fill is basically going to be 40, 50 times loss compared to what you're expecting, right? Relative to the credit. And again, go back and listen to episode one, but I did get it busted. So thankfully, that was a lesson learned that didn't cost me too much. And so really, that's the risk with market stop orders. And you can do a, a stop limit, right? For the stop limit, for example, you can set a, you know, your $3 trigger and then further set a limit price of 320 or 350 you know, You're going to give it some padding. And the idea is that you want to fill at that normal slippage amount, but you don't want, you want to cap it. Now, here is the problem. And I've run into this as well. A stop limit order, I think, is also subject to the drill through protection, number one. Number two, it can just plain get blown through, right? So if you're not sitting here and you have a $3 trigger, $3.15, $3.20 limit, whatever it is, and the market jumps, it's going to jump right past your stop limit and just never going to fill. And if the market never recovers, again, you're sitting duck unless you're sitting there aware that that happened, right? So that's really dangerous as well. And the third thing that can go wrong with the stop limit. So if you're thinking, okay, well, if I want to have a stop limit, but I want to guarantee a fill, why don't I set a really wide limit? Why don't I set my trigger at $3 and set my limit at $4 or $5? So I tried this once and the problem is you're going to get the same issue, right? They're going to think you fat fingered the order because you set a limit that was so far above the marketable price. Their order will also get rejected, right? So if you set a limit that's too aggressive, it also gets rejected. So all of those things are catastrophic and can be really bad. Um, so what can we do? A couple things. Um, number one, as far as these sort of false triggers, because sometimes if you have a um, toss, for example, now what, what Tastyworks with the last trade native stop, you can't really get around this other than just to don't trade with Tastyworks for zero DT anyways. For toss, you have to specifically set the trigger. Okay, Some people inadvertently set it to um, trigger off bid or mark, or and a mark can be the mid price. And here's the thing. So if the option is $3, uh, let, let's say it's a two dollar bid by two twenty um, ask right. So the mid's two ten right. So if you're stopping that three dollars, that's fine. But if the bid ask spread suddenly widens right, let's say it goes to one dollar bid, five dollar ask right. Now your mid price is basically at like three dollars. So even though the bid is really low, remember the option is only worth as much. And in this case, we want to be worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it right. So the bid is at one, but the ask is at five so the mid price can be high enough that can be basically manipulated up or just it, it's skewed right so if you're triggering off mid without realizing it you can also get kind of these erroneous triggers right when the market's um the options out of the money so you need to make sure you are setting it to trigger off of the bid now with interactive brokers for example they have a particularly robust trigger mechanism and this is actually the default trigger mechanism it's called the double bid it means that in order for the option or this stop to trigger, this condition to be met, the bid price has to be hit twice. And this is talking about, you know, you know, because when you look at time and sales data, you can see all the bids and all the ads. It's constantly moving in and out on the order book. So double bid means you have to have two consecutive bids at the trigger price. And if it's two bids at the same price, the quantity or size of the next bid has to be higher. So it has, so if you have a $3 trigger, you have to have a $3 bid and in a 305 bid, right? Then it triggers your stop. Or you have to have a $3 bid and then another $3 bid that's a larger size. 
so more people are bidding at that price. Either of those are triggers. So, because I've seen, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're we dread looking at our our stop when it's approaching. But for example, I've seen, you know, my stop is at three dollars. I see one bid at three dollars. Stop not triggered. It flows back down to like two ninety. Back to three dollars. Not triggered. It flows back down to two ninety. And then finally, it hovers at three dollars and three oh five and gets triggered. So double bid is like a default thing that interactive brokers has, and it makes your trigger more robust. So it's not something you can do per se, but if you are with interactive broker, just know that that's something they offer. And another thing you can do is if you're going to do the stop limit, right? If you can sit there and watch the uh, stop limit, you know, set a price alert or something. So I, I recommend if you don't have these sort of um, brokers that have the, the better technology, different execution, complex order types, do the stop limit. And set a price alert, either a price alert for the underlying or a price alert for the option price. So you can set a stop and set a price alert. Like, hey, if the option hits $3, notify me, right? So there's some redundancy there. So if you can watch it and you can at least see that it executed, and if not, you can manually intervene, that's okay. But obviously, that makes the whole process a lot more um, labor intensive and probably some people can even trade zero DPE if, if you need to spend that time. But, um, if you can't watch it, then you know I suggest using a stop market because you want to get out at all costs. But again, we've talked about all the problems that can happen in the stop market. So what else can you do? So if you're not on Tastyworks but you're on like Toss, you can build or structure some complex stop orders to give you more robust execution, right? So some people have suggested, and if one people are always coming up with different ideas, is to have a stop limit and then have a OCO, one cancels other, or one cancels all group with a market order uh, that triggers at a higher threshold if your limit order is not filling. So just a quick example, $3 trigger on the stop limit, limit of like 323 30 try to get it filled, but have a kind of a backup market stop order that triggers up at 330. So if the bid actually goes all the way up to 330, and if your limit order fills, Right, it's an OCO group. It's going to cancel the market stop. You're fine, but if the bid goes all the way up to 330 and your limit order has not filled or if it blew through, then that will trigger the uh, market order and get you out. And hopefully, you know, in this case, you're not going to get around the whole growth and protection, all the other issues that came up with. But at least you had something in between to attempt to fill you before you just jump to kind of the catastrophic or, or worse fill. And again, these are kind of mini black swan events. You don't count on them to happen all the time, but honestly, you only need to be nuked once for you kind of go to zero. So that's why, you know, with zero DT, it's all about execution. You know, it, because of the lack of overnight risk, because of the use of, you know, good sizing, you can mostly control the risk um, of the strategy on a day-to-day. -day. It's just these occasional large, catastrophic black swan execution kind of risk that is we have to try to control um so kind of those are those are some of my suggestions now if you ever get kind of these catastrophic or nukes the ten dollar fill the twenty dollar fill what you want to do is call the broker immediately and in the rule book you basically have to call within you know 30 minutes for them to um, want to do something for you so you can ask for a price improvement, which just means that, you know, if you got filled up $5, but they look at the time in sales and really the fair price at the time was like 350, you know, they may improve the price for you down to 350 or they may just give you a dollar back. Um, 
but that's at their discretion. And the other thing is a trade bus, which is just cancel the trade completely and uh, reverse it. Now, there's some risk involved with this because uh, if, if the option's clearly out of the money at the end of the day, then it's fine, right? You just want to get your money back, reverse the stop. But if the option is being threatened or in the money or going to be in the money, so depending on the time of day that this bad execution happens, you may not want to bust right away. So it, it's kind of, that's kind of the catch-22. Um, and I talk about that a little bit in my first episode as well. So um, again, uh, and so the thing about the bid-ask spread and whether or not you think there's going to be reasonable chance for the um, the price improvement is so in SIBO, uh, the rule book, uh, and this is a huge rule book, it's like 600 pages. Uh, I'm looking at page 401 or on the PDF is 389. There's a section about what they call wide quotes and it's kind of a, a minimum uh, bid ask spread that they allow before they consider it like kind of erroneous and consider adjusting the price based on what they call the theoretical price. And this depends on the price of the option, right? So this is like most of the time we're gonna, so on the table, options that are $2 or below, they allow a bid ask spread up to 75 cents before they start calling that erroneous. At least that's why I'm reading this. From $2 to $5, they allow a spread of $1.25. I just be doing the bid and the ask. So most of the time, those are the price ranges we're going to deal with because you know most people trading zero DD now, they're selling for like 60 cents, 80 cents a dollar. Three times that's going to be in the 180 to $3 range. So that first two lines on the table, the 75 cents or $1.25 spread, that's kind of the amounts that are within the tolerance where if you get a slippage within that amount, your price is going to have to eat it, right? Because it's a fast market and, and, and widening does happen occasionally. But it's, if it's beyond that amount, then you have a better chance to call them trying to get that price improvement. And if the situation costs, we're a full trade bust. Um, so I think that's all I had. Um, again, you know, this was everything that we've kind of learned from experience in the past couple of years about different stop orders, how they work, um, different things to look out for, what can go wrong, how to improve that, and how to remedy that if something does go wrong. And I you know I know there's a lot of information in this, so you know I guess you know take notes, go back and listen to it again. But I, I hope this helped. And, and again, I did this because honestly, I know that a lot of my other strategies and, and the previous previous episodes have been you know kind of catered towards more advanced or larger capital account traders, and maybe just really not that useful necessarily unless you kind of fit that um, kind of that avatar of the of the of the kind of trader that. Um, basically what I am, a large account and you know, a lot of portfolio margin. But for something like this today, um, I felt that this could be immediately actionable, something that you know I would, again, study this, learn it, and keep it at heart so you know what you're getting into when you trade zero DT. Because honestly, if it were up to me, I think a lot of people in the group really shouldn't even be trading this because you know they either don't know how the options work, the strategy works, the risk. But if you're going to do it anyways, I figure you got to do it safely, right? So, you know, if you can't drive because you're not old enough, at least I can give you a seatbelt, you know, to try to keep you safe. So honestly, that was the reason I did this today. And I hope that helped. Um, you can see the rest of my episodes. Look at my strategies at, you know, my trading page, www.thetradebuster.com or follow me on Twitter at thetradebuster. And once again, today, this was the definitive guide to stop orders for zero DTE. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time.